0: You've tuned into all things fine and gentry with the connoisseur French Thompson, where consistently we bring you ideas, concepts, and exposure to thoughtful content, lifestyle enhancements, and opportunities to improve yourself and those around you. Thank you for tuning in and taking a listen to this week's episode. Welcome, welcome, welcome back to All Things Fine and Gentry. This is the connoisseur, French Thompson, and I'm so glad that you all decided to join me today. To all of my returning listeners, the connoisseurs, welcome back. I know that you all have been anxiously awaiting uh, this this new series that we have here. But before we dig into that, all of the uh, first-time listeners, hey, welcome to All Things Fine and Gentry. We, this is a place where we just kind of share who we are, what we uh, talk about, kind of uh, exposure and enlightenment. Uh, that I've had and and sharing with uh with those around me and being able to learn from you all as well so um welcome we're starting a new series this uh these next couple of months actually called Superwoman and if you all follow me on social media uh, essentially what this is is highlighting women uh that I know, be it in my life or people that I've come across that are killing it in a game essentially that are tackling these things called life and being able to to do something great with it. And so we're going to have a mix of creatives, um, entrepreneurs, um, you know, professionals in, in their uh, respective fields. And it's going to be a, a really good conversation. I'm excited for it. And no better way to start the conversation than, uh, with my own superwoman in my life. Uh, my wife, Catherine Nicole McGee Thompson, Catherine, welcome.
1: Thank you for having me, Mr. Thompson.
0: Oh, you're just smiling really, really hard <laughs> there. Uh, that's awesome. That's awesome. <clears throat> All right. So uh, she has been featured on the podcast before. So um, introductions aren't necessarily fully needed. Um, but I do think that uh, I would like to if you all have not listened back to um, the interview with her last season, it'd be good just to kind of reintroduce yourself, Catherine, with a few um, items. But kind of where are you from? Where you went to school? What did you study and what, did you do, what do you do
1: now? Well, um, man, you asked Four very specific questions, of which I remember. Where are you from? (laughs) I am originally from Detroit, Michigan. 313 all day. All right,
0: all right. Where did you go to school then?
1: Um, I was uh, fortunate to obtain my undergraduate degree from the University of Michigan, Go Blue, where we were first introduced and uh, obtained a master's from Loyola University, Chicago.
0: Mm. You know, they actually uh, participated in the NCAA tournament this year, had a fairly decent team. Both, actually, both schools. Michigan went fairly far. Loyola, I don't remember how far they went, but randomly. Mm -hmm. All right, what did you study? (laughs) What did you study? Uh, Because this all kind of comes into it. So so when you went to Michigan, what did you study?
1: At Michigan, I studied industrial and operations engineering.
0: Got it. And then you went to Loyola and did something completely different.
1: Completely different. Uh, I studied pastoral studies at Loyola.
0: Got it. Um <clears throat> what do you do now?
1: Hmm. That's a mouthful for sure. Uh with well, my primary role. Um, I am a wife and a mother, but outside of <laughs> really those eyes, but outside of our home, I uh am a church administrator for Freedom Church in Bedford, Texas. But I also am a CEO of Stuart Little LLC as well as Cat Nicole.
0: Awesome. Hey, so question, Um, you studied these different things. What did you actually want to be when you grew up? Like, like, what did you see yourself doing? Like you grew up in Detroit. So a lot of people that grew up there have this, you know, we're all going to become, work for the big three or something like that. But uh, so like, what did you really want to do?
1: It's funny. Um, It's funny you say that everybody wants to work for the big three. So uh, I'll take it back just a little bit. And I literally wanted to be growing up. I believed that I wanted to be a psychologist. Really? And a lawyer. Because you
0: could talk and you thought you knew things about people?
1: Um, Kim Worthy, who happens to be one of my sores, she was a a heavy motivation for uh, my desire to be a lawyer. Mm. Uh, But then from a a psychology standpoint, I thought that it would be a good way uh, for my limited understanding to help other people. And I had a a huge desire to help others. Mm. You could do the same thing um, as a lawyer. So those were the things that I thought I was genuinely interested in. And then as I got older, uh, people began to expose me to how much reading is associated (laughs) with both of those uh, fields of study. And I would, maybe at some point in my life, I would be sad to say this, but the truth is, I was like, well, looks like that's not for me. So let's redirect this ship here. So um, I was always really good at math, Um, I could tolerate science. I didn't love it, but I was good at it as well. And so the topic of engineering came up. and something that I should explore. So I just started saying, I'm going to be an engineer. And uh, then I learned about uh, University of Michigan had a a weekend on campus or whatever. And I went there and I had a chance to learn about different engineering disciplines. I thought I was interested in electrical engineering Mm. and they paired me with a senior Mm -hmm. in electrical engineering. And I will tell you, honestly, that is the first time in my life that I went to sleep in class as a guest in this 400 level circuit class. He started talking. (laughs) I looked around, put my head down in my (laughs) folded arms, and I caught some amazing Z's. And when I woke up from that class and left, I was like, oh, this is not for me. That same weekend, though, um there was a panel of people and there were some IOEs or industrial and operations engineering majors and when they were talking about their major and what they could do and the different classes they were taking. I was like, this actually sounds like it's more of my alley. So, that's, um, that's how I landed the plane with, I think I want to uh, look into industrial operations engineering because the unique part about the program was that you had the kind of the technical engineering side of it, but the program also allowed for you to take classes in the business school. Mm. Um, so it was an easier transition to bridge the gap and um, kind of broaden um, your, your, your base in terms of studying. So not your traditional engineering like you did, or just head <laughs> to the books, read about concrete, <laughs> but really to to be able to to dive into more. So that optimization and efficiency really pulled me in, if you will.
0: Concrete rules everything around me. Cream get the money, dollar, dollar, billion. Concrete
1: is bringing <clears throat> money into this household right now. Thank so you. hats off for that. But that book looked extremely boring.
0: Yeah, I actually wish I still had that book. There were so many great things in there <laughs> about concrete. I sound like a, a nerd, but that was a really was concrete was a good good class. All right. Um, <clears throat> all right. So you did this operation in industrial engineering. Then you went into corporate America working for McMaster car industrial supply company. You kind of did all these different things there, but kind of understood really literally did what you you studied. Right. Um, and then you kind of said, I'm good. Right. So <laughs> collectively we got married. Right. And we then f- kind of followed my career and you said, Hey, I'm going to retire early. Right. Now, there were a couple of things that kind of went into that. Could you easily could have said hey i want to transfer or find another job etc but you kind of had an experience of corporate america that kind of shaped your perspective on how women are treated in corporate america um t- talk about that a little bit kind of how that shaped your mind and why you ultimately said i'll just retire early versus let me continue to pursue in this field
1: i think it's twofold now kind of give the 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 highlights here, just in case I go too far down a rabbit hole, you can help bring me back to the point. Um, But I believed that there were things that I experienced in corporate America that I really enjoyed. But in operations management, I had the opportunity to work with people a lot. So it was the people aspect that I really enjoyed. But then there were a lot of nuances of navigating, networking, and truly establishing your footing to do what you desire to do and do it well that were very complicated in the, in the, the world that is corporate America. Mm -hmm. Um, so from, I believe it was, I think it was month three or four on my job. I had an opportunity to be put on a special project. Our company was literally expanding. Mm -hmm. So it was the expansion team. So there were a couple of the management trainees that were able to be a part of this project. I being one of them on my second evening, because it was overnight. on my second evening. Um, I believe the supervisor, I can't remember if this guy went on vacation or got married or something. And I'm like, Hey, you need to be the supervisor over this whole side of the project. And that was like the first subset of challenges that I really had to dig into. Um, first of all, I'm all way behind the ears, mm-hmm. graduated 5 months ago, 6 months ago. But there were people there who had a lot of experience that had been working with the company for many years. Um there were temporary employees, there were people who were in management that you uh, work alongside as well. So, um one there was one guy uh whose name I won't say but this this uh older gentleman um gave me a very very hard time. Mm-hmm. And there were some temporary employees, you know, they were easy to work with. They kind of followed, like, fell in line. Um, it was all good there. Some of the other employees, you know, I was getting the hang of it, understanding what was expected of me and trying to facilitate, and kind of do my job. Uh, but this gentleman uh, had a problem that, uh, essentially that a black young lady, woman, like a, a black woman is, is trying to tell him what to do because he had been with the company over 30-something years. Yeah. Um, and like literally, that one person kind of, I'm, I'm like, I think I want to leave this company. Really? Like, yeah, like the experience was, was so intense. And just to, to have that type of opposition, I would, I wouldn't say that I had never faced opposition before, but not of that sort. Um, I grew up in, in Detroit. So my, my community looked like me yeah. all of my life until I went to the University of Michigan. Um, of course, there no, malls in detroit proper so of course you go to the malls and things like that yes you're around um other people non-african-american or black people but to be honest like i didn't really pay much attention to white people in that sense until i got to the university university of michigan but at that point to have somebody who's like what you're saying makes sense is the right thing to do because in some cases I literally was just parroting back like hey this is what they're going to do and I just come tell you what you're going to do and to have just like complete refusal that he would do the opposite like I give an assignment and literally he would just go do whatever he wanted to do and that impacts my ability to get the work done and you know the the nuances of how things are connected in an operational setting that you know you pull out this screw from the machine the whole thing shuts down now the company's out of tons of money mm-hmm. <laughs> just because of, uh, of time and capacity wasted. So that was, that was something that kind of started it off in corporate America where it's like, I don't like this. And then over time, just really continuing to see how um, some voices are amplified, some voices are silenced, and some people are just completely ignored. And it, there wasn't a, um, a direct correlation to intelligence, uh, talent, skill. And, and in some cases, it was completely random and or um, factors that Really shouldn't matter at the end that is your gender or the color of your skin, things like that.
0: So, do you, would you say that <clears throat> because of those compounding uh, experiences, you ultimately said, is, is that what led you to say, Hey, I'm just going to leave corporate America, um, riding the opportunity or, or, take, or leveraging the opportunity of us leaving Chicago, going to Texas? Um, or do you feel there was something else in there?
1: I, I, honestly, I feel like corporate America was never for me. Did you know that? I, I knew that five, four or five years into my first job mm. because I began to complain in your ear a lot <laughs> <laughs> wah, 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 and talk about, <laughs> like, man, I don't like this place. These are the things that bothers me. I want to leave. I'll leave one day. But in reality, um, full transparency, I was just being compensated very well And so if we had not moved to Texas, I don't know if and when I would have ever left. Mm -hmm. Um, Sounds bad now. I'm like, so I was being bought. Yeah, technically, like (laughs) when you say it like that. Yeah, that's true. Um, So that it was like, well, the money's good. I can enjoy life. It's only a, a subset of time because I'm not into this rat race and the games that they're playing. I wasn't necessarily pursuing a VP role or anything like that. So it's like where I am, they love me. I love it. I'll get this money and keep it moving. But I definitely was discontent. And even things that I saw in my internships. Uh, funny you mentioned the big three. I, I interned in the automotive industry mm-hmm. in high school and college. Um, but even exposure there to look around and see what was happening and how people were treated. Um, because my boss was like VP of operations the entire time that I uh, interned at that company. So I was able, I was privy to some of the the conversations and the thoughts and the inner workings of someone in uh, an executive mm-hmm. uh, leadership. So all of that, I know I'm like, this is kind of shady, but as a, as a teenager, um, I didn't quite have the, the, the words and and the full understanding to put it all together to say why this isn't for me. So that's a lot about why I was, and I was, I was stressed. I was, I was, uh, kind of burnt out of, um, trying to run a race, but then not making any progress or what I deemed as notable or worthy progress. And so that's why I was uh, pretty simple to, uh, to tap out.
0: That's interesting. I want to put a pin there, right? Because that's your kind of corporate experience, right? And I know you're not a person that walks into things with a bunch of expectations. You know, you never say, Hey, I'm going to have this fairytale life is going to look like this, this, and this, and then things all add up to it. But you do have certain expectations that there's some equality. I would say a whole, or things should follow a logical pattern, uh, is, is kind of where that is. So I want to, I want to put a pin in that because I think it helps to, Articulate your full story and why I believe that you are a superwoman, although mm-hmm. I should believe that anyway. Um, so, all right. So we, you retire early and then we uh, make our way to Texas. And down there, we had talked about, you know, looking at some other jobs and stuff like that. Nothing really panned out. And you kind of like, hey, I'm your stay-at-home wife. And then we had French.
1: Actually, before before you go there, let's, um before we moved from Texas, right, that's when I explored um, my master's. Right. So, a year and a half before we moved, I started the master's program uh, for my pastoral studies. Now, my degree is the basis of the MDF or the master's of divinity. Mm-hmm. However, I didn't desire to get a master's of divinity so that I can be ordained and preach in a pulpit. I literally embarked upon that for my own spiritual growth and development mm-hmm. because I always took school seriously. I'm like, I have trouble reading my Bible. every day. That's not working. So I'm going to go to school. And study. Study and the Bible. That, study the Bible. <laughs> and that's how I'm going to learn. And I thought deep in my relationship with God. In that, that's where I was exposed to, um, well, I literally deep my relationship with God, but uh, community development mm-hmm. and pair work. So not necessarily working in the church, but impacting the community and helping people in a way uh, with faith based values. Um, so that was in my. Um, in my heart in my head as well during all of this. It wasn't stirring as much as uh, one would think since I was working on a master's in it, but just a, but, but, something that was in my in my heart. But it
0: pairs somewhat with your desire for lawyer psychology, something like that, right? It's kind of help people in some manner with using some skill set, right? And so, um so that's good. All right. So we get to Texas, you have French. Um and you, you've started to admit it lately, right, that you, you believe that you probably slipped into some type of low-grade depression uh, through that process, right? And um, I would love to say that the moment, the period of time between you retiring and then, you know, having French, you had an awesome time <laughs> being a wife and there was no challenges there, et cetera. Um, but it all comes together as far as the challenges that women have and uh, how you sometimes have to be um, extraordinary, Right, uh, so uh, back to having French. Right again, for those that don't know, Catherine doesn't have these expectations of how things should be. Right, it wasn't a you know a rosy picture of all these things, but again, it's like, hey, you should have a baby this way, <laughs> and then you didn't have a baby that way. Um, so, kind of talk about that experience and how you kind of navigated and came out of it, um, and and how that oper- that experience. Kind of has shaped a little bit of of your i would call it um uh awareness of self if that makes sense um so yeah h- how did you how did you navigate it how did you realize that you you might have been in a little depression post having French, and maybe if you want to share a little bit of why you kind of got there um please do
1: i I think um so kind of piggybacking off what you said in terms of you know you retire early, it's a big party. It's a celebration. You're living it up. I would say that it actually was the complete opposite. Mm-hmm. So depending upon your perspective, you could have seen the additional opposition that I faced as a sign that I was going in the wrong direction.
0: Opposition from where?
1: Um. Well, <laughs> moving is very stressful. It is. Um Within the Team Thompson household, I have the privilege of, uh, mainly because I, I really enjoy it, but <laughs> I've been graced with the privilege to uh, to kind of uh, run point, mm-hmm. like, sports analogy there, but a little point guard. And I think I had moved, we both had moved separately as mm-hmm. individuals, but then to move as a collective. And um, there were so many roots that were planted for us in Illinois that it made it made all the difference in terms of um like we got married, start planting roots, we found a church, we found friends, um, we had our careers and all this other thing. So things that you had to uproot. Um and that was a that was a big deal. I wasn't completely done with my master's program. Right. I had my all my classes had completed, but I still had my final project to finish. Um and then a little bit after we moved, uh, my paternal grandmother, um, her health uh, took a turn, and she had been very healthy, very active, and so on, um, but her health took a turn, and quickly, within a couple months, uh, she passed away, um, so so that was a big thing, and then moving to Texas, the Republic of Texas, if you will, is such a different place, and it was one thing to go from Michigan to Illinois. Yes, there's still some differences, uh, for sure, but Midwest to Texas, not just South, but Texas. Right. It was a huge culture shock for me. And then um, we happened to move to an area that was close to your job, but like nowhere. Um, (laughs) Present day, there are things there, but when we moved, it was very little there and a new neighborhood. So the community, all these things that were just different and uncomfortable. Um, And then a little while after, I get pregnant. Um, we were trying to get pregnant, so I don't want to say it yeah. like that. Uh, <laughs> I get pregnant, but pregnancy happened to be. Uh, I, I literally had no expectations, like, uh, or even thought through that, hey, my body's going to change and my mood and all these things. But it was just downright terrible. What I do you mean? <laughs>
0: you just you <laughs> ate Philly cheesesteak sandwiches and wings and all this stuff I all ate the time.
1: Everything. You did eat everything. And my weight showed. <laughs> To the point at one doctor's appointment, you remember and Dr. Snee was like, you're like, she didn't gain any weight. This appointment is okay. Should I be feeding her steak? And he said, he looked at my chart and was like, she gained it all at the beginning. She's okay. <laughs> <laughs> she is good. Um, but I really, um, I did not enjoy pregnancy. Like, I want to say I hated it. It was terrible. I am um, a recovery control freak, as you know. Um, and as one who loves control, I literally lost every bit of control that I had I could no longer when all things around me shift I, I at least have myself like I mm. can control myself like I won't eat that I will eat that I won't do this I will do that all that was going too. yeah it's like I want to stay and watch a movie Oh, well, I don't have enough energy to get up oh man I'm just so tired and feelings and gaining weight I'd never been that large before I think the most I had weighed in life was like 135 pounds and I thought that was large here I am, seventy-five pounds later, waddling everywhere, can't breathe, allergies. So this is like all this stuff just disrupting my my utopia of I I control everything, right? And that was that was that was really big in terms of the the shift there. So, so pretty
0: you- much everything <clears throat> you had all this stuff changing around you, and then you had change, things changing to you, yeah. which then created yeah. this feeling of helplessness.
1: Um. Yeah, so it was, a, it, was a, it was a bit of being helpless. And in my mind, it's just like, I don't have control mm-hmm. and I don't like it. It stresses me out. It makes me uncomfortable. I can't plan. I can't do. And everything's just up in the air. And I like to know, like, I don't like surprises. It's like, oh, I got you a surprise for your birthday. You just tell me what it is. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't want a surprise. So I, 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 that had already pushed me. Then you probably can add. Not probably. You can add grief in there, right? Mm. Grieving the loss of my grandmother, the change in my life, grieving the loss of our home in Illinois, our friends, like our church family, like all these things that I knew
0: compounded and created just
1: compounded. And at that time, I didn't truly have an understanding that you grieve these things. Mm -hmm. I was still in the mindset that stuff happens. You move on. Like, keep going. I won't say get over it, but essentially that's, that's basically the message. Like just get over it and keep pushing. But for whatever reason, um, in my limited emotional understanding, I couldn't push past it. I just couldn't keep going. It was something that I had to sit in that I didn't want to. So,
0: so how, so how did you come out of it?
1: Well, after our son was born, uh, I think I was teetering on postpartum. I didn't necessarily talk to people a lot, a lot because I didn't, I didn't understand what was happening. Mm. And it wasn't. Common practice for me, I talk a lot.
0: Clearly, you know, the people on the podcast are noticing that right now.
1: I talk a lot, for sure. But I, I said this one time when I was younger, uh, in my 20s, that is. I think I'm still young. But I said one time, I talk a lot. But if you pay attention, I'm not saying anything. Yes. That's not true today. <laughs> Thank you. Um, but, but like, I used to say a lot. So I be talking, goofing around, cracking jokes and all that stuff. But the depth wasn't there. Right. Um, so... Now I was just in deep waters. So it's basically like I have nothing to share. Right. Um, One day I believe Holy spirit. I talked to one of my friends and I decided to talk. Mm -hmm. And that day I expressed how I was feeling my frustrations. um, Like not feeling like a good mom, um, I, we had hired a doula, planned for a natural birth. My, I was like, my mom had five kids, no no drugs. I can do one. Let's get it. I then go to the hospital after my water breaks. And within, what was it, an hour, I was fully prepped for the OR to have a cesarean. Like I'm, I'm like, I failed at giving birth. Um, I'm failing at being a mom. This kid annoys me he <laughs> gets on my nerves he won't stop crying this nursing thing is good for his life but it's driving me crazy i am at his beck and call he <laughs> just have like all so this is all the stuff that you were just this, this is all i was holding in and yeah. i was sharing it with my friend who's a mom and she quickly let me know like oh this is normal mm. but i didn't know it was normal because i was i had isolated myself right I had isolated myself, so I had no idea. So when I began to share with my friend and her to normalize my experience, share her own, as well as encourage me, that literally was was the stopping point for what could have ended really bad.
0: That's good. All right, so you kind of took a turn there that I did not expect. Um, Do you believe, right, uh, because we're going to talk a little bit more about Kat Nicole and Stuart Little. Do you believe that her helping you to normalize that experience is one of the things that have shaped you into what you do now. Right. So you, like through, through your podcast, through your platform, you share your experiences, right. And you are honest and vulnerable and open about the things that you deal with. And, you know, not only that, I mean, you, you, you've done it for decades before that I've been, I don't call it the victim of it, but I, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I have, you know, m- many an activity or something has been postponed because you are counseling, right? You are sharing, you are pouring out, helping people deal with whatever they're dealing with, right? Do you feel that that was a a catalyst for you to be able to to say, hey, this is, it, it is my time or a part of me to give back? I mean, not necessarily like it clicked right there and you automatically said, I'm going to be a, a counselor, right? But um, h- how How did that impact kind of what you do today, right? And this is, you're talking seven years later, ultimately. But, um, you know, have you ever put those two things together at all?
1: I think that, I think it has, uh, I think it has made a difference. But I I think greater, greater than that one moment is the string of similar moments that lead up to it, Mm. that throughout my life, no exaggeration go back to younger years, despite having four siblings and always being around people. I I, I feel a certain sense of being alone. Interesting. And that I. Man,
0: I'm just going to pause here. I don't want y'all to think I'm a bad husband. My wife sitting here <laughs> talking about she had depression, nobody to talk to, all these things. I gave her a baby and then I'm just sitting here just chilling. So I was here present. You just chose not to talk to me. Or share everything, right? Um, so,
1: okay. Yeah, and, and, and and you remember what I was just saying? Because I will say that um, to this day, one of you know everybody's always tooting French horn, especially in my family, like French this, French that. I'm like, oh guys, give a, give me a break from <laughs> hearing this. Um, but one of the things to this day that I boast literally about with you is that you were very present. Um, not the fact that you didn't miss a doctor's appointment from creating the baby <laughs> until he was one year of age is amazing. Um, even his sick appointment, so that was major, especially since you used to travel 100% of the time right. pre moving to Texas. But, but that, that part aside, we I don't want to not share that I always felt that I needed to work things out and have a solution. And so that's also a part of my isolation that I didn't have a solution. So I did, I was not used to sharing my problems without a solution associated. Interesting. So I would share problems prior, but either I had a complete solution. It was already resolved, or I had a very good idea of what I was going to do and probably would discount any recommendations you made in trying to assist me. And that being you being anybody I was speaking to my parents or whatever. So it wasn't that you weren't present, but just that I didn't know that I needed help or how to, how to get help.
0: That's good. And so you said there's kind of a, a string of experiences like that that ultimately got you to where you are today, kind of sharing and talking. So, so let's talk about that. But,
1: but let me add one Go more thing to that. Sorry. Um, not just, it was being, there are two things, one being alone and or feeling alone a lot. But then the second thing was that a lot of people looked at my life And so they had a picture or a series of pictures and they had no idea what went into that or who I was. Mm. And I think those two things lead me to want to ensure that other people realize, hey, there's always somebody that will accompany you on your journey. You don't have to you don't have to do life alone and that everything isn't always what it seems. Mm. Don't assume. Oh, well, cat. Well, cat's different. Like No, 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 no. I have struggles. They may not be the same as yours, but that everybody struggles. Life is a challenge for us all. It's just a matter of the decisions that we make to, to navigate those waters. So I, I think it allows for me not only to help people and to be the company that I thought I didn't have most of the time, but also to help them understand that it's possible and that I'm a real person. So it's not something that you can say, you know, oh, she's different. That doesn't count. Right. It does count.
0: So, I mean, you you, you kind of answered a lot of it. So is, pulling all that together into your your coaching, counseling, Kat Nicole, Stuart Little, all of this, right? It is various segments, but is, is that what you feel that now has been placed in you or that revelation has been given to you and then therefore you – you have to or now it's your opportunity to, to give back to it and kind of explain briefly what you do kind of in your different roles because one of the things I had in here is that you're the hardest working mom in show business, right? Mm-hmm. You know, your, your mom, wife, obviously sibling, your mm-hmm. daughter, you know, working with your, your parents on their, you know, uh, later life transitions into whatever retirement and all this stuff is going to be, church administrator, and then have your own businesses right as well as consulting and stuff on the side. So um do you do you believe that this is truly kind of like your calling now all this stuff these experiences that have been deposited into you this is what you're you're doing or you still think that you are evolving into the path or the the image that you that you think you're supposed to be going in that direction if that makes sense.
1: Yes. <laughs> As I, as I thought of my response, I was like, I'm going to sound like my dad and just say something like that doesn't answer. I asked you two questions, but yes. Um, yes to both of those things. Um, I believe that. I, I believe that I am evolving and pray that I continue to evolve because um, it's a, a process and a journey to become who, who God has called me to be. Um, but in evolving, I believe that my understanding of my calling has changed and continues mm. to shift. Um, and as I am, these three things that I, I speak to about what I do that um, to equip, expose, and empower people mm-hmm. as those things are done in my life, I think it helps me understand uh, more of what I am capable of doing in terms of my calling, and that I've always done a variation of what I do now. It's just different platforms, and sometimes mm-hmm. um, the settings are different. so whether or not it was on the side, really quiet, um, or it was, uh, prominent and, you know, what I was doing with the sorority and, Oh, now I'm serving in a, in a, in a specific role and leading this part of the organization and so on, or championing this program. Um, it's changed, but it's all, it's always been, um, it's always been a bit of the same, which kind of goes back to like the psychology lawyer and the the fight for people and my, my heart for, for helping others.
0: That's good. All right. No, that's just, that's good. Um, all right. So I'm gonna do a, 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 kind of superwoman influence lightning round for you. have you spoke a lot about a lot of different inputs and I, you know, I wrote down a few names here. Um, but you added a new one that I kind of want to add. So I just want to, you know, call out a person and some of the things that you gleaned from them as far as some of the superwomen in your life, right? We're all influenced by people, uh, and go from there. So, uh, let's start with your mom, right? And, if if you're the hardest working, she's the OG hardest working <laughs> woman. Right. So what are some of the in, in lightning round? Uh what are some of the things that you you glean from her as far as a superwoman in your life?
1: Um, the pressure. You keep you said lightning so many times. <laughs> so I feel like I have to go fast or just speak really fast, but talk really long. No, um excellence, uh commitment, and love.
0: How does that weigh on you? Um, heavy. It does. Mm-hmm. Grandma Lula,
1: you're shady for, the, <laughs> for <laughs> the for the order in which you present these uh, these names. These are my heartstrings. Um, Lula was uh, to believe mm. in God. And in other people and, uh, her vision. And it was oftentimes about, people. Mm -hmm. I would hear her speak it about people, but she wouldn't dwell on those that didn't entertain the possibility. Wow. And so even in saying it now, my desire to work with people that have hope is literally the manifestation. Excuse me, of our relationship together. That's good. That she saw that I was I was different and I was a fighter. And she believed in me and what I was capable of. So she supported and she pushed with everything that she had, even the broken parts of her. Yeah. That she pushed.
0: That's good. That's good. I'm keep going. <laughs> All right. Your sister. Bertisa. And I put super loving and caring. I had little descriptions for each person, but you just go ahead, Tisa. What do um, you? She's a superwoman.
1: My sister, like, <clears throat> selflessness, unwavering love, and commitment to what she believes. That's good.
0: That's good. All right, SS, Letitia.
1: My super sore. Letitia. Letitia Robinson. Um uh, the ability to multitask without sacrificing mm. herself, her priorities. Let's say her priorities. Yeah. The ability to multitask and to do well. And I, I never saw anything that was compromised. Mm. I met her in a church. She, she told me about a sorority chapter that I could attend that she was a charter member of. <laughs> Amazing. She, her, her, I watched her kids grow up. She executed that, was fully present. She was just present wherever she was.
0: That's good. Donna.
1: There's some common themes with these, these women. That is unconditional love, selfless, Humble mm. but a mighty force.
0: That's good. That's good. You spoke about Kim Worthing Worthy, I guess. I, I hadn't met her before, but kind of she was early in your life, so what about her?
1: Um at that time, Kim Worthy was very intelligent and a strong black woman in a prominent role when even attending black, all black school, you still had a lot of whiteness around you and glorified. Mm. And so I saw in her possibilities that weren't necessarily in my family. That's good. Some characteristics, but the level of achievement in a worldly way, but still it was excellence. Later I found out she was also a Delta. It was like, wow. At how that works out. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's all I had on the list. Are, are there any that you would think about Superwoman in your life that have uh influenced you?
1: There's some there, there's some additional names that I could uh that I could drop, but I think the I I tend to be um uh, drawn. My spiritual father told me uh at one point in time, shout out to Roberto. Um that there's something in me that I was drawn, the people that I was highlighting to him that I was drawn to, mm. that, that there was a certain brokenness mm. inside those people. Some similar, but they all, there's always some major thing that how they were broken, which is really all of us. But uh, overall, I would say that I've been drawn to people that are flawed or broken. That's the humanity. Right. But people that love hard they care for others, and in whatever thing that they do or they're it, it's with excellence. That's
0: good. <clears throat> well, thank you, thank you for sharing. You 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 really uh, uh, put a a uh, first blush or or essentially set the foundation for the Superwoman series. Um, and the reason I wanted to do it, right. It's because there's there's so many uh sung and unsung heroes out here that are just that are doing it hard and doing it well um and even as you kind of went through your emotional you know review of them, uh I think it's important and it kind of you know outlines kind of what this what this means and and like and stuff like that so um I'm gonna, leave, I'm gonna leave it there. I got a few main things in here, but I'm gonna leave it there so thank you thank you for joining today and being on the getting on the podcast again.
1: It's a privilege to sit across from you, yes, and to be on this side of the uh, the podcasting episode, <laughs> of the show. Um, so it's right. an honor to be considered a superwoman. Oh, there it is.
0: Um, if anybody wants to get in touch, connect, um, be coach counseled, you know, learn, hear, any of those types of things, how does how does one get in touch with you?
1: Well, I am available. Uh, it's easy to reach me via social media at I am Kat Nicole. Uh that's Instagram as well as Facebook. Um, but uh More for Me by Cat Nicole on YouTube. And you also can email me at info at stewardlittle dot com.
0: Awesome. Awesome.
1: And that's a way to, uh, to to get a hold. And if you can't get if you can't remember those, hit up French <laughs> and say so put me in touch with your wife. There it
0: is. <laughs> Well, again, thank you, and uh, I hope you all enjoyed this episode. It's going to get real. Continue to get more and more real as we talk with women about their uh, their life experiences and what has helped to mold and uh, grow them into the superwoman that they are today. So, um, uh, again, like, share, subscribe, uh, share this, and even you know let the women in your life and others know, hey, it's going to be a really good series, and looking forward to to their insight and, and things like that. And if you know superwomen in your life, tag them, highlight them, share it, uh, because it's important for us to celebrate. So again, we thank you all for tuning in and we will see you after a while.